With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get ready for the countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Welcome to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Raw and uncut, Jiggy Jag, you know how you do it, you know what I'm saying? Keeping it all the way live. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now, 267-22-Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? You must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy, play guitar. Jeff, it's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, it is the world famous Chicky Jaguar Radio broadcast live and coast to coast. Border to border on KFRK in Denver and of course 50 plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. iHeartRadio as well. We are normally live 2 Central, 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, 1 PM Mountain Standard of course 24-7. At JiggyJaguar.com. However, we've been doing these live Twitch shows just as an experiment to see what the hell's going on over there on Twitch. Become a follower on Twitch, kids. Go over to twitch.tv and find Jiggy Jaguar Show. Or go to twitch.tv slash Jiggy Jaguar Show and you'll be able to... uh, be involved with what we are doing over there on the old Twitch. We just had host 00312 follow us. Apparently they followed us two days ago, and now they're following us again? What? (laughs) This makes absolutely no sense. But that's fine. It doesn't have to. Welcome to it. It is the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio broadcast, and, uh, We have got an interesting interview in this hour. We also have two very interesting segments. I did some more radio interviews with the folks in the radio industry. So we have that as well. We also have an odd situation with, I believe... The Kansas State Fair. But I don't have all of my details on that yet, so I can't really say anything there. It's not official. It won't be official until later this afternoon. 
But you can get a hold of us online at J-I-G-G-Y-J-G-U-A-R.com. And, of course, on our app, which is available in both the App Stores, iPod, and Google Play. On-demand podcast via the iHeartRadio app. And, of course, Twitch, Periscope, and Facebook Live. And thanks for joining us here on our big program. So, first of all, I had a very interesting And I honestly should have just recorded this interview with Mike Wild from a radio station in Peoria, Illinois, I believe. Peoria, Illinois. Mike Wild, he's the VP and the GM of something called Midwest Communications. They are very proud of the fact that they are Duke Wright's Midwest Communications. Whoever the fuck Duke Wright is. (laughs) Some old radio guy somewhere. Some guy who probably got into radio and ruined it. So we did an interview with Mike Wild the other day, which is part of the reason why our show... The other day when I was doing the show, I ran a couple, I ran a little bit more replayed content than I probably should have, but part of it was this guy scheduled the interview in the middle of our damn show. I should have just put him on, I should have just had him call the studio line and I should have just put him through and we should have just done the interview on the air. I've done that on a few occasions, and they're wild. They're so fun. So I did this interview with this Mike Wild character. So Mike Wild was interviewing me for a news director or news reporter position at a radio station in Peoria, Illinois. Now, Peoria, Illinois, of course, it's Illinois, so it's man-cow country. Peoria, Illinois is also home to something called Van Wilder and Van Camp. They're a three-headed radio show that is syndicated. They're in the Talkers Magazine uh, Heavy 100. And every year when I get to them, I go, Hell! Well, they do an hour for these guys in Peoria, Illinois, and then they have a syndicated show. Kind of like Rush used to do where he has an hour in New York, and then he did three hours for the national audience. So I do this interview, and he asks me all sorts of different questions. And at one point, he asked me, what is your philosophy on radio? So I was trying to remember the old quote from Conan the Barbarian about crush your enemies. That whole thing. But I made a comment about being the best in telecommunications that you could possibly be. So he went, uh, it was some, some outrageous thing that you would hear me say. And he was like, hold on, I got to write this down. <laughs> I bet he's got that written down somewhere. I bet he doesn't, actually. Not after the email I got today, and not after the email that I sent him. So he then gets back with me, 
uh, and, and is asking me about my experience in radio. We talked about the Eddie Money interview. We talked about Nitty Gritty Dirt Band because apparently he did some research on me, and that's what he found, which is fantastic. I tip my hat. Thank you, sir. So then we have, he decides he's going to talk to me about the fact that on my resume, I have a few places that I've listed as I've worked there for a month. I've worked there for six months, whatever. Everything on resumes and radio, I've found in radio, much like the ratings, much like your stats, everything, it's all made up. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. That's basically what radio does is it bullshits people. It lies. It bullshits. It just is completely a bunch of crap. So I, I talked to this Mike Wild character. We go on. He then makes a comment, uh, wants to make a comment to me about this. So instead of answering his question, I told a story. <laughs> in classic jiggy jag fashion i told the story of brother ken who worked for the same radio company in salina for 10 to 20 years and then afterwards couldn't get hired in the business because he'd only worked somewhere one time and then i told the story of steve mills who every time Steve Mills got a job, he was trying to get another one, and he had 35 call letters beside his name. And radio believes that that is stability. I believe that is flightiness. And the call from Jeff Stevens. Hey, what's going on, sir? Hey, a uh, couple things. Uh, have you got a hold of Sean Chambers yet? Uh, no, I have not been able to get a hold of Sean, and I've left three messages for the, uh, cold stairs people. Huh. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> Sean Chambers is okay doing, he's okay doing an interview. Okay. Um, he's going to be there between 4 and 4.30 on Saturday. Oh, perfect. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be there probably 3.30 or so. He says it only takes him about 30 to 35, 40 minutes to do a sound check and get things set up. So, should have plenty of time. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yes, that that is awesome. Thank, thank you for working that out, brother. Uh, I mean, I think what we probably end up doing is... Um, is uh, you know having you all set up and ready to go, and then as soon as they get there, that if they want to do the radio thing before they do their sound check and whatever and set up, or if they want to do it right after. But he said they're shooting between four and four thirty to be there to set up. So, uh, and then if I want to add you to our Facebook page as an administrator to be able to like. Right after you do the interview, put it on our... Oh, page. yeah, that would be awesome. Okay, so who do I, who do I look for? I would I just know? look up James Lowe, and you should see my photo, because I like the page, okay, let so... Me, let me see, let me... Okay, so you should... You've already liked the page. Yeah, so, so you should be able to just t- begin to type that in, and it'll pop up. 
Let me make sure. Oh yeah, yeah. You before you can do a new admin, you've got to put an or a, you know however you want to do it. You you've got to do a a freaking password. <laughs> That's the key. Is <laughs> if you remember your password. Because you should be able to just type that, type your password in, and it'll pop it up, and you should be able to put me in like as an editor or some kind of crap, and basically all that all that does is just give me the opportunity to upload things. That's really all it does. Because you don't want to make me an administrator, because I don't need that much power. <laughs> So you should be able to, because once you're, let me see. Yeah, here. I found it, but I don't know how I, I can't. Uh... Should be able to do something like page rolls, I think is how they have it listed. Yeah, um, edit page rolls. Yes. I got to figure out, I got to figure out what the fuck my, uh. What the password is for the page. What my, what my password is. In my little book, it has what my password is, but for some reason, uh, that is not right. Um, Let's see here. So if you go in, let me try to figure this out. Yeah, because it's page rolls. Wonder if that's a you assign a new page roll. And then... No, uh, God damn it. I don't even know. And it doesn't even give me a option of don't remember my password. Well, it should be whatever your Facebook password is. I know. Well, uh, that's what I've put in, but it, it, it's saying it's not the right password. Oh, Jesus. And I don't want to do it too many times because I don't want to lock myself out. Yeah, because then it'll lock you out of there. Let me see something here. Uh Yeah, because if you don't, because I've had that happen to me in the past where, huh. I have it written down twice and it's the same damn password, but it's saying it's not 
See, what I do with that is I usually, ju- if, if I have an issue, I usually just change the Facebook password to the exact same password that I had before. <laughs> okay, but how do you, how do you change? But I don't know how you would do it in a, in a, in a pages scenario. Because I know, I know that I've used my actual Facebook password for my account to. It's it's the one for the for the pages, but if you've obviously been able to log into your Facebook page, it's not. There's something else going on. Yeah, because I'm on the red shed, you know, page. Yeah. Because if you're obviously in there. I'm in there as the administrator, but when I go to add a person, it says i got to put my password, but my password's not The right password. But I can't even even see on my regular Facebook page where I change passwords. Huh. I would be in there. That would be under settings, wouldn't it? You would think. And then just give me a call back a little bit later. That way, that way you can get that on there and you can get that, you know, you can get that done. Now, when you do, since we've changed everything, when you are filming the show... Are you still getting sound, or do we need to make it so you? We need to be able to. We need to be able to run a cable from that mixer all the way over to where to the laptop. Well, probably what we're going to end up doing is moving you to the other side. Oh, that's fine. We can do that too, and then just run one across. That's fine. Now, since now since Sean doesn't, you know, his now since we've cleaned that corner up. And we've moved the board out front, and the only thing we have in there is the power unit. I was thinking about putting you in that, on that side instead of the side by the bathroom. Hey, that's fine. We can do that. Um, and, and I mean, we may have to reroute some cables, so... If you get out there in time on Saturday... Yeah, we'll probably... We could probably get there, I'd say... He says he's going to be ready by 3.30. We'd probably get out there at 2.30, 3 o'clock, so... Well, he's going to be there between 4, 4 and 4.30. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we can be there about 3 then. 3 or 3.30, so... And then, then that way we could... That way we could, uh, you know, we could... Uh, uh, rearrange some things and kind of get that stuff squared away so we can get back to doing what we need to do and and if we need to run a cable then you should be close enough to the 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 board that we can actually just run the cable right down the wall hey that's fine we can do that well we can get that all figured out saturday that's no problem at all 
Okay, that sounds like a plan. Um, we'll just I'll just see you on Saturday then. All right, brother. I'll talk to you then. Have yourself a good night. All right, bye-bye. All right, man. Later. Okay, so that's a business call. <laughs> so, l- like I was saying, this Mike Wild character, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to redo the Mike Wild thing. Jeff took Jeff did a business call in the middle of this. We're not going to run any of that. So, I am going to do this. I'm going to take a little bit of a time out here just so I can get focused, so I can get our next guest in here. And uh, we're going to do this. We are going to go to a musical interlude, as they say. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means to play us out with a musical interlude. So, since we are on Twitch, we are going to figure out... Well, I guess we'll do this. We'll throw this in. This will kill some time. And I'll get our next guest on. We'll be back. I think we might have our next guest with us. We hey, had uh, had a little bit of technical issues there, but uh, we are we are live. How are you, my friend? I'm very good. It's been a while. Yes, yes. I am uh, very excited to uh, have you on with us today, and I love the Skype background. You you've got the Skype background. You got the mic. You're you're dressed up. You're always better dressed than I am, but. Uh, <laughs> We have got yeah, yeah. a you have more profound words than I do. <laughs> we have got a great guest joining us today here on our big broadcast. And uh, this is a topic, you know, I, I wish we could get away from this topic, but it seems like we never can get away from this topic. And uh, we're talking about the military and Afghanistan and some of the different things going on. And uh, Afghan Christians are basically under Taliban rule now. And no one seems to be talking about the genocide by the Taliban. However, they're essentially going from house to house and routing out Christians. And uh, Sargis, what, 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 what do you make of all this? Well, first of all, it's good to be here. Uh, unfortunately, yes. we're here talking about the bad things. Uh, I mean, they are going house to house. Uh, unfortunately, we gave them the list and said these are the people that we know. A lot of them had worked with our force structures, if not with the State Department. So uh, just yesterday, they killed a couple of key uh, figures from the uh, from the Afghan church. Uh, but you're not going to hear about it on the news, no. uh, unfortunately. But we have repeated this cycle all the time, uh, even going back to Rwanda. You know, a lot of people don't know that at the time when 
the Rwanda genocide took place. I actually did my regional studies there. And uh, wow. when when the case of what was happening in Rwanda was presented to uh, Susan Rice, who was at that time an advisor yep. to President Clinton, her first words out of her mouth before she even mentioned anything about Rwanda was, how is, it, how is this going to affect us in the midterms? And, uh, and then the rule of <laughs> oh engagement came out for our military saying that uh, don't shoot unless you're shot against. So our military guys stood on, uh, you know, by watched uh, women, children, and uh, civilians get hacked by machetes, uh, 800,000 Christians uh, plus. Uh, fast forward to 2015, same Susan Rice, uh, at, you know, under Obama, uh, when uh, Mang Yi uh, put out his vision of what is called power relations. I wrote about this in the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement, what everything should look like. Uh, instead of countering his vision after he put it out at the Brookings Institute, she tried to actualize it in her talk at yep. George, uh, uh, Georgetown. And now fast forward to where she is an advisor currently under the current POTUS. And uh, look what is happening across the board. Look, a certain Christians were butchered from 2014 to 2017 uh, under our watch. Uh, 1.5, yeah. 1.3 to 5 million in Iraq. They're dwindled down to almost 100,000. And after Kabul fell, I got the word of our guys uh, out of northern Iraq that, hey, look, a genocide is about to come. ISIS manifesting itself. And right now we're trying to raise funding internally to ourselves as organizations through United Assyrian Appeal for me to be able to support the military families because we know there's another genocide coming March of next year, if not earlier. So we don't do anything from our force structures, state structures who care about the Christians, and I think people don't understand that. We have got a great guest with us today. Uh, I'll tell you, Sargis, the thing I don't understand about all this is there is so many christians and jews and everybody who is of a, of a religious faith there seems to be a lot of genocides going on across the world and it just like like you were saying they're they're more concerned with getting reelected than they are the human beings in general i i i just don't understand the concept of how can people be so heartless to some of these things? You know, you know, they've just lost focus. I don't, I don't know if they're – and I'll put a couple of examples that I had. But first of all, so people know that in 2021, we've had more Christians martyred across the board. And I'm actually helping to resolve the issues for Christians in South Sudan. You know, they get an incompetent, yeah. appointed leader – who now they're getting, uh, they're dying, and they're going through, uh, through, through uh, not just uh, being attacked, uh, but they're also going through a famine. But there's been more Christians who have globally died in 2021 than under the Roman Empire rules, uh, which yeah. m it mind boggles you, because the Romans were pretty good at first killing Christians. I gave a speech uh, five years to this November at a synagogue in uh, Canada, uh, where I said, you know, even the Christian churches are silent in light of the genocide of the certain Christians in northern Iraq. And part of it is because they've never dealt with evil. They've never seen it. They understand what the Bible says and the biblical accounts or the Judeo-Christian faith when it comes to good and evil. But until it manifests itself in front of you and you actually taste it, yep. you don't understand it. I've seen them on the battlefield. 
I know what it is. And the second it manifests itself, you better kill it. Because if you don't confront yes. it and kill it, it's going to kill you. And unfortunately, even our churches in the West are silent, even five years later to, to this November, is because they don't understand it. They don't know how to deal with it. And they're not unified. They're all over the map. Uh, you know, they, they don't understand that, yes, we were built upon Judeo-Christian values, but this country is not the same country that uh, initially was organized under those Judeo-Christian values. It's completely off. When Obama stood on stage and said, we're not a Christian nation, people laughed at him. But look at us now. We we gave $80 billion worth of weapons and equipment to the Taliban, a terrorist organization. And today the State Department is negotiating with economic political power. That means you're giving them money. So, I mean, yep. this, is, this is a reality of who you are. And uh, the problem is uh, the churches... Uh, are not taking a stand to fight. I had a gentleman, we were, when we were trying to raise money to give to the Christian Assyrian families so their loved ones could go fight. And yeah. war actually told me, what would Jesus do uh, while I was there with a bishop? I said, Jesus would probably come across his table and absolutely would rip <laughs> you from one end of you to another. I said, Jesus is the one who turned around and told a man, you know what? Let the dead bury the dead after his uh, his you know loved ones were dead. You better get into this ship because this mission is more important. Yeah. Jesus is the same one who took a stick, went into the uh, uh, holy temple and started whooping people. Jesus is the one who went in there and challenged their authority and flipped the uh, money changers yep. tables yep. over. Jesus is the one who stood there when he knew that he <coughs> might face crucifixion, and at that time the the Jewish powers to be. Were closer to Rome than he was. <laughs> you know, yep. if they weren't, he wouldn't have been crucified by the Romans, and they wouldn't have put the pressure on the Romans to do that. But he challenged them. Today, you got Christians who don't want to say something on Facebook because they might lose their Facebook account. And you wonder why we got all these martyrs across the globe that are begging to have America as a beacon of hope, democracy, Judeo-Christian values to come and support them. And what do we do? We did what we did in Iraq to the certain Christians. I had a friend of mine who... Uh, put himself on a cross for three days in front of the UN when we initially invaded, uh, um, when we first in initially invaded Iraq. And everybody made fun of him, said, well, you know, what an idiot. He's uh, up there, you know, making a fool of himself. He said, Christianity in the Middle East today is dead because of this invasion. And uh, the guy, nothing more than an Uber driver. <laughs> but that individual had more understanding what was about to happen to the Christians under our Delta forces, our, under our uh, Navy uh Tasking units, Navy SEALs, Special Operational Forces, multi-force structures on the ground, 82nd Airborne, NATO being there, Australians being there, the Georgians being there, the certain Christians went from 1.3 million to 1.5 million to 100,000 left. And the last word oh. I got when we were transitioning after the debacle of the Mosul clearing operations, which actually we, I wrote the, the Operation Collective Action to have the certain Christians clear their own lands. They took that, gave it to the Sunni Muslim Kurds because they wanted politically to support them rather than the Christians. And it was an absolute disaster debacle. All I got back was from one of the journals in the Pentagon. Well, they'll rebuild. Rebuilding what? <laughs> you got you, you got Muslims killing Muslims and they're calling each other Kafirs as they're killing each other in the street. You have a Muslim policewoman who was pregnant in Afghanistan because she was a policewoman. She was pulled out and the Taliban shot her in the head and killed her in front of her husband. You have open source videos of Taliban pulling women out, raping them and killing them in front of their husbands and killing the husband. 
And we're turning around and we got Secretary Blinken talking about, well, you know, we're going to use our economic political powers to negotiate. What are you doing? What, yeah. what is wrong with you people? Uh, and then Christians here today, quiet, nothing. Birds chirping in the background, barely doing anything to help those individuals. And then we wonder why our country is the way it is. You got to take an active measure, folks. You got to take active measures. You cannot allow this to happen. The martyrdom of these Christians is crying out. Their blood is crying out to you and saying, what have you done? You know, and we haven't done anything. Well, see, this is the thing that I, I just find so strange is that we can, we can get behind, you know, various causes and various, you know, things that, that, that happen, but yet Christians across the world cannot seem to coalesce and get behind something like this with, you know, people being left there by the Taliban. And there, there are certain pockets of people that have been able to do this, but for whatever reason, no one can unify and, you know, try to help fix something like this. And they're, they're tunnel focused. They don't focus on anything. You know, in 2015, it was uh, when I was there after the, of course, a certain Christians living in $500,000 U.S. houses. Imagine that. And being suddenly two seconds later, you're homeless. Okay. I have nothing yeah. to eat. Uh, I was there and I saw, I was sitting at a hotel and uh, in the lobby of the hotel, there was a, a Christian pastor. Well, one of the churches, I can't even remember now. Even if I did, I wouldn't mention their name. I don't want to you know, put out uh, individual pastors' names out there. But he was out there trying to convert two Kurdish guys to be the next saving grace of Christianity in the Middle East because the Holy Spirit had moved them. So when he went to use the bathroom, I heard one of the Kurdish guys, so the other one said, hey, listen up, don't screw this up for us. I need the green card for the family. <laughs> so he was willing to tell them anything. <laughs> Except uh, Jesus, as long as he got his green card. As long as he got that green card, yeah, baby. That's it. And so when the chaplain came in, I can, you know, it's sad because I couldn't help laughing, but I know I'm like, you know what? God bless wow. him. He's trying to go back to the States. But when the chaplain showed up, I said, Chaplain, uh, uh, how long have you been here? He goes, Well, I've been here for a couple of days. It's great. You know, I'm, I, we were able to get the message out. A lot of these young Kurdish men who are Sunni Kurds, anyway, they're Muslim Kurds, are trying to convert. I said, Chaplain, uh, let's go outside for a second. I said, you see all these people over here sh selling all these trinkets on the side? I mean, it was like this, the roads were packed. People were out there. He said, yeah. I said, do you know who these are? He goes, no. I said, this is the root of Christianity. These are the people that Jesus Christ spoke their language. These are Syrian Christians. They're selling trinkets out here. I said, did you know that these people are who they are? He said, no, I didn't talk to any of them. Is it because you're so focused on trying to get two Kurdish yep. guys to convert to your church? <laughs> the root of Christianity is dying out here. I said, once the root is gone, chaplain, you're a leaf. Your church is a leaf or a yep. branch. It will yep. completely die out. I said, it won't be able to exist because you get to understand what the root is, where you came from. And this yes. root needs help. And he looked and he said, oh, my God, there's hundreds of them. I can't help all of them. We don't have that capacity. I said, no, but you collectively as churches do. But how is yes. it possible that you've been walking in and out of this door, walking past these people and never bothered to see who they were because yeah. you were so tunnel focused and trying to get so one Kurdish guy focused. to be part of your church?
that, that, that's the problem. We were, I went to a uh, discussion that was uh, that took place at the uh, um, uh, for uh, the uh, religious broadcasters uh, yes. uh, gather on a yearly basis. Uh, and it's funny because they had two two gatherings. One a friend of mine spoke there. Uh, she had her own, you know, five one c three like I got mine, but yeah. we only supported multi families to so their loved ones could fight against ISIS. Uh, she also helped with humanitarian efforts in another capacity, and she was there to brief us was what was happening there. But at the same time, they had a another class that was taking place and was talking about how to build capacity for your church to be able to you know get revenues to make the church stronger. I got to tell you, everybody was sitting in that class to see how they could get more revenues for their church to make it stronger. And I understand the whole issue you deal with as far as having to be, oh. uh, you know, capable when it comes to your, you know, annual budgets to be functioning. But here's a person who's talking about the butchering of uh, a certain Christians and nobody was there because they were all interested about how do we make our church stronger here. And I'm like, you know what? If Jesus was here right now, what do you think he would uh, say to you guys? Yes. It's not that they're wrong. It's just that they don't see what I've seen as a guy on the battlefield. Five years ago, this January, uh, this uh, November, I stood at a stage uh, in a synagogue in Canada, and I said that even the Western churches are silent in what is happening today because they've never tasted evil. They yeah. don't understand it until it shows up to your door puts a gun, pulls a trigger, and I hate to say it, to make it blunt, blows the head of one of your family members away or rapes your wife, you're not going to understand what I'm talking about. Yep. And that's the problem. Our folks, even the churches who preach about good and evil, who uh, have doctrine about it, who have gone to schools, have gotten PhDs on it, don't understand it because they haven't seen it manifest in front of them. Yes. And I've told folks when it manifests, you got to crush it right there. Don't let it breed, not be the United States and give uh, $80 billion worth of weapon equipment to them and then turn around and negotiate with money. Of course, they're going to kill people. What do you expect them? I mean, you got Muslim Sunni calling a Muslim Shia a Kafir yes. and killing him in Afghanistan. Oh, you go put a Christian in between there. What's his standing? <laughs> if he's calling another Muslim a Catholic. See, this is like... Him, what do you think is going to be a Christian, for God's sakes? I'm just so blown away by the way that some of these some of these people act and some of the ways that they, 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 they seem to think, oh, well, you know, it's another day. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> if, if they have demonstrated a behavior and continue with that behavior that's the behavior yep uh, am i missing something <laughs> no no you you you're using common sense that's why you're not there's a lot of people that don't have common sense there sarge <laughs> no i mean it's, it's it's simple you know i i go with the old adage of what uh, you know jack diamond uh famous poker player would say car player he said listen to me don't listen to what the man is saying. Look at what he's doing. Yes. Okay. Yes. Look at look at what we're doing. Under our watch, the certain Christians went from one point three million, five million to a hundred thousand left. Yes. Under our watch, uh, Christians in Afghanistan are, are being killed. Under our watch, and we did what we gave weapon systems to the Taliban, a terrorist, Islamic terrorist group, 
and also uh, we're giving him money now. Under our watch, we abandoned American Christians on the battlefield in the den of the lion. Under our watch, we have turned our back on the state of Israel, and there is possibly a discussion of a possible another intifada that is about to happen because of what you did in Afghanistan. Under our watch, the Christians of South Sudan can't even breathe and eat. They're eating tree barks. Why? Because we have uh, allowed an appointed corrupt politician to be the head of South Sudan. Under yep. our watch, yep. uh, you know, probably right now the chatter is there's going to be attacks against Christians from Philippines to to possibly even in India to North Africa. Why on the 29th anniversary of 9-11? Because we don't support them when they say we need support. We tell them, go get support from others. When I let the Syrian multi-force structures and we fought against ISIS in Syria and Iraq, we got no money from governments. You know what we did? We established United of Syrian Appeal. We got money. We gave it to Itana Women Organization. They turned around, took care of a multi-family. But I told the loved ones, you better go fight. And if you decide to leave the battlefield, guess what? I didn't give him any support. He said, where am I going to get support? I said, there's plenty of other their organization, church organization out there willing to feed you as a refugee. I'm not interested in feeding our refugees because at the end of the day, you're going to drink the water. You're going to eat the food, and within less than 24 hours, you're going to pee it out or poop it out. I'm yep. trying to establish yep. your ability to be a stand-up government on your own. I'm doing it through a nonprofit, but you have to get your behind and go fight the enemy. And uh, when he said uh, – they said, well, how are we going to get our weapons? I said, well, take it off the battlefield. Kill the other guy, take his weapon. How are we going to get our food? Take it off the battlefield, however you can. <laughs> but I'm going to take care of your families at least. Um, we don't establish any structures to support them. When I yes. took that uh, yes. commander uh, to the State Department, State Department told me, okay, we can give you guys support based on what you have done now fighting against ISIS, but you got to go beyond the Hashishabi, which is an Iranian-aligned militia in northern Iraq that was being used by Soleimani, uh, who we killed because of the – the way he used to use the Hashishabi to maneuver Iran's footprint uh, from uh, Iraq all the way into Syria and other places. And then we turned around and the Assyrian Christians who went and joined them, some of those Hashishabi locations got bombed. We killed Assyrian Christians. Why? Because some schmuck is the State Department for <laughs> their language. Turns around and says, that's the only way you're going to get our equipment. Yeah. Because that's how your budget won $50 work. We... we don't have the understanding of to set up Christian systems to be able to help other Christians. Yes. Um, and then we wonder why U.S. is in the mess it is because uh, we just we're, maybe we're not that bright when it comes to establishing <laughs> institutions that actually <laughs> care about doing the right thing. You know, um, it, it's and it's just unfortunate. Amazing. It's the reality of it. It's just amazing to me. That this is happening the way that it is, uh, but before before we let you go and wrap up here, my friend, if if you were in, you know, you have got a lot of knowledge with military and life and in common sense, you know, the, the whole nine yards. If if you were put in charge of this withdrawing from Afghanistan, how would you have done things? Well, first of all, I haven't done it the way I did, uh, the, the way he did. Look, the previous POTUS put Iran on sanctions. Uh, look, first of all, I don't, I wouldn't have negotiated with terrorists, even if I was a previous POTUS. But you know, 
you're negotiating with him. I got it. Yeah. Uh, but he put Iran under sanctions, but he left Port of Charbakhar in Iran open and allowed India, which was a buffer against China, to develop that port for Iran, help our ad, uh, allies in the region like India and build a railhead into Afghanistan, looking in the future if we ever struck a deal with Iran that we help build your capacity. That forced, the, uh, that forced Pakistan, who we bypassed because we have a new port now possibly, to force the Taliban that they've trained <laughs> literally uh, and recruited to come to the table for negotiations. So when the POTUS previous one sat, said, I know where you live, I know where your families live, I know where your schools are. Now, if you still want to negotiate, let's go into negotiations. The current one came in. I just like left all that $80 billion worth of equipment on the ground. Yeah. The day or so after I found out what happened, I flew to D.C. out of my own dime, and I got uh, uh, the way I could with the you know congressional uh, uh, representatives as far as their staff is concerned and say, hey, we got to go get this stuff. We can't leave this stuff over there. Yeah. Now, with that said – the only saving grace you have now, unfortunately, in Afghanistan is if you allow it to be the way it is, and if, let's say it breaks into a civil war, you're going to have to choose a side. And yes. in this case, I think U.S. is going to choose Taliban's side. The best scenario is <laughs> that everything falls apart. Everything falls apart. The Afghanistan needs to implode. That means let them kill each other in bushels. Yeah. And if you allow them to do that, then you're good because we had an 18-hour window there. We could have absolutely destroyed all their tactical, operational, strategic level guys, and we didn't. Yes. So if you wanted to do that and let it implode, then now you're countering China for 10 years because China cannot fix it. If you allow it to be the way it is and you just give support to the Taliban and recognize them as a government which you have, then China wins. The Shanghai Corporation Organization, which was established 20 years ago to counter us, is now in Bagram Airfield. And is controlling them, and NATO, which was established, uh, SEO was established to counter it, has uh, left the battlefield in shame. So, I like I said, we're gonna talk about a possible intifada now starting in Israel pretty soon, uh, and we're looking at possibly another genocide against the Syrian Christians to finally wipe out the root of Christianity next. March, which is I'm starting to collect money now to get ready for that <laughs> when the fight happens. It's amazing. Yeah. How incompetent we are across the battlefield. Well, Sargis, I really appreciate you making time for us today. Uh, before we let you go, how do people get in touch with you online and, and get involved with everything you're doing? Well, uh, after I probably put your link on, I'll probably get shadow banned anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but they could go, if they want, they could go to the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement, NECSC.net. Um, and just listen to what we do. I also do my own weekly podcast. I started when I ran for office in Illinois as a Republican running in Cook County. Imagine that. Uh, but that but, was fun. Uh, <laughs> it was fun. Look, 43,000 bucks in coffers. I got 107,818 votes with 50,000 still out there being debated about what happened with the Dominion machine. So it could have been north of 150,000 with 43,000 bucks in the coffers. And the, yeah. the Illinois GOP didn't even have my name on their, on their website. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> because they're so they didn't even put it on there. They're like, no. No, I was I was on an Antifa site. Antifa had more, uh, more information. I mean, a pretty good breakdown because, <laughs> of course, uh, you know. <laughs> they, 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 hey, I, as long I, as they spell your name right, brother. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, they, they had a pretty good breakdown because, you know, a lot of people don't know. I lost a commander fighting against ISIS in 2015. And when he was ambushed by YPG Kurds, which is a, a socialist Kurdish group there, yep. Antifa U.S. was there. That's when I first met them wow. on the battlefield. I'm like, why is Antifa U.S. flying a flag why here with these guys in Antifa Europe? Well, they're on your battlefields now. But uh, they could go to the Near East. They could go to my podcast, New Paradigms. I'm trying to go on locals and other social media platforms or Rumble. And then, of course, United Assyrian Appeal. Um, we're a 501c3. If they could uh, donate money for us, uh, it helps us out to get prepared for what is about to happen to Assyrian Christians and March of this coming year. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but the reality is everything's pointing towards yeah. another ISIS oh, yeah. rise. Well, I always appreciate the time. I will talk to you soon. Have yourself a wonderful day, my friend. Thank you very much, and God bless you, and keep on uh, Keep on keeping doing. on. Thank you, sir. There he goes. And, uh... Okay, so... (laughs) Lots of moving parts, lots of things happening. It's quite the day on our Twitch show here. Uh, My thanks to Sargis uh, as well. He uh, joins us today here on the old... Here on the Twitch show! I don't know what that means. Is it called the Twitch show? Is that, is that what we're calling it now? The Twitch show. I'm old Twitch on Twitch. Do that so I can have the proper uh, finger point. Okay. So, I want to finish this Mike Wild thing. Wild thing! The dot the John Moxley music. Actually, let's do the odd interview in Alaska thing. I want to do that. I fr- I, I frequently, uh, three four times a day, get on these radio sites. You know, all these, all, all these different radio sites. And I love the headlines that they use to to get the radio uh, unemployed to go in and look. Uh, This one is, let's do great radio. Which is supposedly what they're doing. 
Uh, is this a dream job or what, says this guy. If you're broadcasting and love the business, if you're in broadcasting and love the business, or loved the way it used to be and are looking for an opportunity to put your experience, enthusiasm into a career and a growing company, then we might have the opportunity for you. It'll be moving It'll be meaning to move to Stitska, Alaska, Sitka, Alaska, of all places, and become the general manager of Sitka Radio Center, Sitka's only commercial radio station. Sitka has mild winters. I tell you about all the, all, all the great things about moving to this place. Um, the GM of Sitka Radio enjoys a large degree of anon- anonymity. No micromanaging and endless reports to corporate. You should be a team player and be comfortable in hiring, leading, and directing a small team. Handle local sales, think creatively, act independently, and get involved in the community. Basically, here's what they're going to do. They're hiring a sales manager is what they're doing. They need someone who's going to come in and do sales. So I read this ad for what it is. So I go ahead and I call this guy. Or I send this guy an email, this Richard at FrontierMediaUSA.com. Well, I find out that these stations are owned by a group of guys in New Zealand, of all places. Why do they own radio stations in New Zealand? Why are they from New Zealand and own radio stations in Alaska? So I do this, this interview with this guy. Well, the guy calls me. He sends me back an email. Sends me an email and he goes, can I call you in six minutes? Why? So he decides to call me in six minutes. So he calls me up. Biggest star in the business. Calls me up. He calls me up and we're ready to go and we're going to do this interview, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Whatever. So he calls me. Now, when he called me, he called me from Juneau, Alaska. This call lasted six minutes. This is the shortest interview I've ever had for a position. Six minutes. So he calls me. And I do this interview. And the guy basically needs a sales guy is what he needs. He looks at the he looks at the resume. He tries to um you know, he, he, he tries to tries to bury me on the fact that I did some stuff with K-Sun. Uh, so here's here's how this works. So I sent it to him Wednesday, September 8th at 128. He replied Wednesday, September 28th at 210. I wanted to know if I was applying for the GM position. I wrote him back and said, yes, I am. He said, "Okay, let's talk. I have a time to I have a I have time for a call in 10 minutes. Does that work for you?" What? 10 minutes? So I told him, "No problem." He calls me. And he basically needed someone who could do sales. He wanted someone who was going to go out and do sales, but they were going to give them all the general manager tasks. But they really didn't need a sales guy. Because I had told him, never done any sales. Never done sales, never interested in sales. Don't give a fuck about sales. So 
he then was like, well, you know, this is more of a sales oriented. He should have put that in the ad. So I went ahead and told him, I said, well, I don't have sales background. You have yourself a wonderful day. We'll talk soon. I hang up with the guy because I was in the middle of cooking me something to eat for lunch. So I didn't give a crap about his job in Sitka, Alaska. Also, he never told me how much he's going to pay me. And I bet it was low 20s. You can't live on low 20s in Alaska. So I sent him back an email. I thanked him immediately. I sent him back an email and I said, Richard, great chatting with you this afternoon. Really enjoyed the car- our conversation. Learned a heck of a lot about your operation. Learned a heck of a lot about the great state of Alaska. Wish I had all the sales knowledge that you guys require for your position, but I'm sure you'll find someone who's going to do a bang up job for you and get out there to Alaska and make some things happen for you guys. Really appreciate the time. Have yourself a wonderful day and go ahead and keep doing radio and keep being busy as a fish in a hurricane. Exclamation point. All off a six-minute call. He's one of these I've got to respond to people emails. So he gets back with me and he goes, Hi, James. It's not so much about having sales experience, but being willing and opening to doing it. Some people want to and others don't. Two of the best GMs we've had in Sitka have come from a 100% programming background. Exclamation point. So I replied with, Richard, not an issue. I'd love to learn sales. I'm sure you'll find some great people out there who'll be able to come in and make it work. He gets back with me again. And he says, we'll keep you in mind. We might have a programming position coming up soon at one of our stations if that interests you. Which is all bullshit. They're never going to get a hold of me ever again. I went in and got a hold of him and said, no problem. Let me know. Because who cares? I don't care about any of that. First of all, you didn't tell me how much you're going to pay me. I'm not moving to Sitka, Alaska, wherever the fuck that is. For a 401k with a match, medical, and an equal opportunity employer. I don't care about any of that. I want the money! I want you to pay me $70,000 to live in Alaska. You pay me seventy, dollars I can live on that and I'll move there, pal. You don't pay me, go find somebody else. Keep posting on all access for Sitka, Alaska. <laughs> so we're going to take a timeout. Actually, we're not going to take a timeout. We'll just say see ya. Next time on our Twitch show. The Twitch show. Kids. It's Blue Onion. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.